gentlemen, welcome to episode number 65 of the Whatever Show. If you want to check out the show notes on this and you don't have a decent podcast plan, you can go to whatever.co slash 65, and all the stuff we're going to talk about is going to be there, and you can follow along. Um, we've got lots of news coming you up for you. just go to whatever.co. It's usually at the top. Yeah. It's usually at the top. Plus, there's a lot of other podcasts there, so I can never listen to it. Lots of other podcasts. Yeah. The best way to start, actually, is to go back and listen to episode three, and then go from there. Episode three? Maybe four. I don't think we were good then either. No, okay. Let's get to, let's get to like, uh, I don't know, 19. Something. When did we get the mics? The, the good mics. The good mics? I don't know. That That is an indi- indicator of how, how uh, um, professional this podcast is. Anyway, we've got so much news for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk about WWE's Roadblock pay-per-view. It was the end of the line for basically nobody. Everybody's going to go on to Raw and then, you know, fight the shit out later, but... That, that's what the tagline was. So we're going to talk about Roadblock. Uh, we've got uh, some Batman, the the goddamn Batman uh, news. Actually, we yeah, got a little bit. I'm, of, I'm gonna I'm gonna just call that movie that. The goddamn it's Batman. Actually called that or not? It actually makes more sense because then I know immediately which one you're talking about. Uh, we got Marvel news. Hugh Jackman uh, talking to, talking about uh, an R rating for Logan. We've got some uh, news in the miscellaneous category. We have got some. You know what? It's not often I get to say this, but we got news about Rita Repulsa's origin, potentially, yeah. for the new Power Rangers movie. We've got David Tennant cast uh, as casting rumors. We've got a little bit of uh, Sherlock season four goodness, and uh, probably we're going to go off on many, many tangents because that's just how the show works. Stick around. So let's talk Roadblock. So this is a public service announcement before we get into the pay-per-view proper. So I'm sorry. I'd like to bring you the rest of this match, but instead, here's an advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. So Eddie and I were watching the pre-show. There's one match on the pre-show usually. The match is not even going for 20 seconds, and all of a sudden, we cut to a commercial. Yeah. What was this? The Rusev versus uh, fucking Big Cass or something? Yeah. So, not that I cared about this match a shit ton, but I think it does a disservice to your performers when you're like, oh, buy our shit, buy our shit, buy our shit, and then we buy your shit, and you're like, oh, here's a commercial for some other shit. Yeah, just honestly, don't even bother. Like, there's not a situation in which it's okay for me, like, okay, in my opinion, to interrupt the match. Um, They do it on TV a lot. You know, I almost kind of get that one, because... Unless they're going to work the, the, the live event around the TV schedule, which these days is just bullshit. Like, if, if, if every six minutes you want to stop the match so you can have a commercial and then resume afterwards, okay, that, I, I get why you'd kind of interrupt with uh, the TV property a little bit, although I haven't seen it, so maybe it's still tasteless, tasteless uh, you know, bullshit. But this one? Come on. This is a fucking pay-per-view. You've got control of the whole goddamn thing. There's zero reason why you need to interrupt a match to go to an ad roll. On a paid service. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we downloaded the app for free and, like, we have to watch the commercial because we didn't, you know, pay for the app. Yeah. Like, I buy this shit, man. Like, it's... Secondly, that's the other annoying thing to me. Like, pretty much all this advertisement is usually advertisement for shit on the network. It's like, dude, we're already paying you. Yeah. And here's the thing. I get it. It's the pre-show. It's one match. You didn't interrupt the rest of the matches on the pay-per-view with it, but, I mean, come on, guys. It's just a line I don't think we need to cross, especially at a pay-per-view event. No, I think it's I think it's 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 pretty sad, actually, that, tacky, that they would tacky do that. As hell. So anyway, right. that's my public service announcement. Um I don't like fucking being interrupted during a match that even if it's a match I don't care about. 
I got to say my tolerance for advertising is at an all time low. So this was just sort of a kick in the shorts yeah. for, you know, wrestling fans and me in, in particular. All right. So let's get to the pay-per-view proper um, after the Rusev versus big cast match who I don't even know who won. Like, that was a count out. I think count out. Yeah. I, I think, was it Rusev? that got counted out. No, no I think it was cast cast. Um, after that, what did we open up with again? I don't know, but we were right. We did. We we actually had a pretty decent record this. Well, this Eddie time had a better record than I did today. Oh, by one match, it barely counted. Um, let, me, let me pull up the Twitter. Yeah. Okay. We'll go to the Twitter, and while we're going to the Twitter, I will just I don't know make up stories or something. That's usually what I do. Yeah. Um. You know, overall, I think the theme for this podcast to me, or not podcast, uh, although I guess that's true too. This particular pay per view was sort of. Uh, lackluster i didn't care about a whole lot going into this uh and i'm not sure that i was wrong about any of it in particular so um no it's these are these are hard things to do because now that now that we have the brand extension in place it's it's we're gonna get more pay-per-views whether we need them or not yeah i think that's kind of the big thing that's the thing i think pay-per-views are happening a little bit too too often so it takes some of the magic away from the pay-per-view event itself like the pay-per-view these days isn't even really much more dramatic than say like a regular episode of raw or smackdown is um so a lot of this was a little bit forgettable for me um and i think that's probably true for most people because there wasn't a lot of big stuff in there yeah so we opened with a tag title match Oh, this actually was a decently big piece, though. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that and I've just got done shitting all over this, this is actually a pretty solid piece. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We've talked for the last several weeks when we've talked about the New Day and being tag champions about how they their, 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 fucking, their goal was to retain the championships long enough to beat Demolition's record. Um, and it's not a goal that the New Day set, obviously, although, of course, when you are... Um, a professional wrestler and you have a title belt you don't want to drop it whether it's you know storyline or not yeah you get a big rub from carrying the belt yeah so here's the thing demolition previous record holders for longest title reign um involved in a class action suit against wwe pertaining to uh to concussions Uh this suit not gonna go anywhere by the way Hmm? this suit is not gonna go anywhere like yeah um, the whole thing is, is that it's, uh, they're, they're, they're alleging in the suit that, uh, the WWE allowed the performers to form, to perform without, uh, proper education or without disclosing the, um, potential side effects of numerous concussions and whatnot. The problem with this lawsuit is that it is specifically against the WWE, even though many of these guys worked for years and years and years and years before coming to the WWE for other promotions and sustained just as many concussions elsewhere. Isn't that also sort of a gray area because our knowledge of this is is relatively new. So like I'm right. not sure when that suit started, but it's not like if you went back to the early 90s, the WWE wouldn't have anything to disclose because probably nobody would know shit about it. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh so the-, the WWE made the decision because these other guys are suing them that they're like, well, we can't have them hold the records for one of our belts then because they're litigating against us. So here's what we're going to do. New Day's already been the champions for like a year. Let's just continue it until they're done. Yeah. So um, they went like a match later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Monday Night Raw was the um, the culmination of the championship reign for them. They, they actually defended successfully in two triple threat matches. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, good for them. Yep. Pay-per-view, they're done. Yep. You said this during the, the, the actual event, uh, but entirely transparent move on the WWE's part. Um, so this was this was the New Day against Sheamus and Cesaro, who yeah. actually, I think, wrestled really well. Like, all the guys did a great job during this match. This is one in particular where um, uh, uh, Cesaro had a, a good back and forth with... Kofi. Kofi, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were doing sort of like uh, handsprings off of each other, which was kind of cool. And, and then a nice little turnaround. A um, bunch of different stuff, though. Um, lots but, of good spots. Yeah, lots of good spots in this match. It was overall a pretty solid match. But th- the short of it is, like, it was basically the first opportunity they could possibly take the belts off the New Day, and that's exactly what they did. It's been pretty obvious that uh, they've been wanting to push Seamus and Cesaro as, as tag champs or the top of the tag division for a while now. Um, and they took advantage of the fact that the record has been broken. Demolition is no longer in possession of that record, so let's move forward. It and does, that's exactly what it was. It does feel a little ham-fisted, though. It's like, oh, yeah, um, I guess that New Day can do it, because they've, they've had the belts for a while now. Yeah. Um, but it is sort of like... It was either that or you had to drop the belts to somebody else and have them carry it for, for another 487 days or whatever. Yeah, so which would have been a fucking long-ass time. So yeah. I'm kind of glad for this, and I hope that this shakes up the tag titles a little bit. Um, I hope we don't see, you know, Seamus and Cesaro run for the next year with the belts, because um, that's a little bit contrived, a little bit boring. Well, what else are you going to do, though? How many you other know, tag teams you got out there? I, you got a point. I, I guess between between the New Day, uh, um, Seamus and Cesaro, and uh, Cass and Enzo, Enzo there's and not Cass really I wouldn't a, mind seeing run run rampant with the belts for a while. Like yeah, but that would be there's, fun. But there's just not a. Uh, you're you're right. The tag division is a little bit weak. Um, like a lot weak actually. I guess we're being SmackDown's honest. got a pretty healthy tag roster. So who knows? I mean, and back in the day when they had the brand split, they used to kind of. I think it was right after WrestleMania they used to kind of shake things up and do a, a draft episode and and have the the rosters change up. Uh, so that might be kind of interesting. It would be interesting to see though, because they have done this in the past where a tag team can be drafted to separate brands and then all of a sudden they're not a tag team anymore. So, yeah, you know, who knows? It'll be interesting to see what, what they do, um, how long Seamus and Sorrow have it. I'm a fan of them having it for the time being, but like Eddie said, it's like, you know, how long is that going to last and what are we going to do to shake up the division a little bit? Make, make people actually care about the tag belts a little bit more. See, you mentioned this again, and this is, I think, is something we were talking about a little bit during the pay-per-view, too. Um, I'm not s- still having, you know, watched a few of these. I'm not sure how I feel about the brand split, because when it just comes down to it, they've got a lot of guys, and I think that's one of the things that leans in favor towards a brand split. But the the thing is, is that it leads to a very weak roster overall for each of the brands. Like, the tag titles are a good example of this. We were talking about the women's title, uh, again, for Raw as well. You've got, really, Charlotte, Sasha, and... Um, uh, fucking Bailey was it mm-hmm. yeah Bailey and they're like the only contenders and the t- tag titles you got basically the same three three teams you know contending there too um, the main belts you know there's only really a few guys contending for a lot of these different belts uh, um, and that I think makes it you know lessens it to a great a degree um, so injuries have played a part in this too and that's that's kind of comes along with the territory and whatnot but um, the problem with Raw isn't that you don't have enough guys vying for titles. Like you've got a you've got a healthy title picture for it with uh, for Kevin Owens Universal Title because he's currently the champ. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Roman Reigns 
challenging for that title. We've had Seth Rollins challenge for that title. We have Chris Jericho in the mix now, and I think he's gonna he's gonna make a run at the title pretty quick. Uh, at least judging by the the way that tonight's event ended, it it certainly seemed that way to me. No matter how they painted the friendship kind of picture, yeah. Um, so there's a few things going on there. Um, the problem with SmackDown was that actually they were supposed to get Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't know if you remember him from back in the day. Uh, he came in with Kurt Angle. Uh, not with Kurt Angle, but he came in actually the same time as Brock Lesnar did originally. I wasn't around for Lesnar, so. Okay, so um, he came in with Brock originally, um, had a tag team with a guy named Charlie Haas, and they were aligned with Kurt Angle. Uh, Benjamin's good. Benjamin's really good. Unfortunately, he had to fill some uh, dates that he already had booked before he was able to come back to the WWE and ended up tearing his rotator cuff um, and went out for surgery. So he's probably six months out still from from coming back. Okay. Um, he would make a great addition to the SmackDown roster because he would be in the main event picture. So it wouldn't just be Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles every week, every week. Yeah. See, like, I think they need that. That's another, you know, good highlight. It is pretty much just Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles. And that that's another thing that I think is a little bit weaker because the brand split, like there, I don't know, I guess I'm maybe being a little unfair. Cause even if you go back in the day, um, there wasn't usually, you know, more than three or four guys at a time contending, but, um, it also there just seems guys to me like could step up though. That's the thing is like, you, yeah. you think about stone cold and the rock, those guys going at it back to back, um, pay-per-views all the time and whatnot. Um, Stone Cold went out with his neck surgery. Triple H, boom, step right up. in there. Yeah, you got Mick Foley up there who was who was stepping up before that. You know, you got. Well, I mean, you had a lot of guys like that: Mick Foley, Taker, Kane, uh, um, all of these big names. Uh, Kurt Angle was in not shortly after uh, the Rock. Um, of course, you already mentioned Triple H and Stone Cold. Um, just seems like the the main. You know, the, also there's so many belts these days. I can't really keep them straight, especially with the brand split. Uh, but it just seems like there's a lot more guys that uh, were vying for a main title at any one time, or it was more realistic to see sort of an odd ball. Like Kane wasn't necessarily a, normally a main title contender. Like he was a uh, oftentimes, at least when I was watching, he was often like a um, sort of like they're using Braun Strowman a little bit right now um, in that I don't necessarily see him go up against for or go for a title fight, but they were using him sort of like that. But every now and then, you would see Kane go up against the titles and it would be a big fucking deal because uh, you put Austin next to Kane and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know what exactly is going to happen with this. Like um, you kind of knew from the kayfab uh, element of things that like they probably weren't going to put the belt on Kane, but um, they did. For they did. For some, they did for a while. Usually, usually there were some gimmicks about why, why, you know, they, that they took it away. I'm just, I'm yeah. just picking names, but um, there were a lot of different aspects like that where you could see more, um, you know wrestlers potentially vying for a belt yeah but guys were i don't want to say they were hungrier but the, the business was different then um for there sure was a lot less scripting going on mm-hmm. uh not with the matches necessarily but with promos and whatnot like guys were able to go out there and like get a, get themselves over on the microphone yeah um i i gotta believe enzo is probably not scripted at least not as heavily as most of the other guys he's well rehearsed i think but i, I don't think that he, I, I he probably does most of his stuff i think he I, i'm sure he's allowed a little bit more freedom because he's he's shown that he can he can do it um, Th- that's actually one of the big differences i see is that a lot of the guys from back in the day 
we're a lot stronger on Mike than than anybody today. There's only a very, very, very small number of guys who are any good on a Mike anymore. Nobody tried to script The Rock. No. Couldn't do it. it Nobody scripted Steve Austin. Nope. You know? So that piece is different. Um, there's a little bit more, I don't want to say fear, but maybe that is the right word. Guys back in the day, in the 90s, the Attitude Era, especially in the height of it, would just reach out and grab for what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was a lot more cutthroat, I think. Um, you talk about um, Edge and Christian, the Hardys, the the Dudleys, when it came to the, some of those ladder matches and the TLC matches and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. those those guys put those matches together because they wanted to be able to go out and and put on a show that was going to steal the spotlight from the main event. Yeah. And they were allowed to do it because they succeeded in doing it on multiple occasions. So uh, you're not getting that as much anymore. And I think also in addition to that, that led us to an era that was an almost entirely made up of spots versus traditional wrestling, which I think has taken its toll on the audience because I think the audience is ready to for a shift back to some more traditional. You can only do that for so long. Yeah. 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 Well, not to mention like as fans of entertainment, we don't want our entertainers to not entertain us anymore. And the more of those big spot fest matches, they take place that take place. Like the, the more chance we have of them not being able to entertain us for as long. Yeah. So um, when, when everything is a spot, you know, like eventually nothing is, you know, a little syndrome logic. There you've only you. got so many bumps off the top of a 16 foot ladder. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of how your body works. Yeah. So, and you can't really do that on every match. Otherwise it loses. Like, what did, what do you do then? You're going to go to a 20 foot ladder or yeah. Yeah. Which right. I'm, I'm Jeff Hardy. I'm sure is done, but yeah. You know. <laughs> All right, so next our match in Roadblock was uh, Zane, uh, Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn versus Braun Strowman. Strowman. Um, this was kind of an interesting gimmick. Uh, th- this specifically, uh, Zayn had to last in the match with Braun Strowman for ten minutes, or he was going to get traded to the SmackDown roster for Eva something or other. Eva I can't Marie. Remember. Eva Marie. Yeah, he was. And uh, as much as they're doing a good job with the women's division, I think right now th- this was a little bit like, no, we're going to trade you for a girl. Yeah. yeah yeah um i was kind of on the side of sam Zayn leaving yeah this is one of the one of the few that we split on um i thought with the way that they were setting this matchup they were going for more of a classic underdog story and we and you know that the fans would be more receptive to having zane go over on on Strowman, which is what eventually happened um but you your really go was, over still though well i mean he won but the, by winning all you really had to do is not die yeah. Uh, uh, all he really had to do was not lose for ten minutes, and so uh, that that at least allowed him to not get traded. Um, but your point, you know, like they they could have used him on the SmackDown roster, probably not unfounded. Like I'm not familiar with enough with the product right now to say if that's true. Um, but you're probably correct. I just uh, the way that the storytelling was going leading into this match, I was kind of leaning towards them. Um, you know, just sticking with the underdog. You know, Same David Goliath sort yeah. of thing his angles have been lackluster of late anyway. So it's just kind of like, you know, maybe they are going to get rid of him because I mean, you, you throw him in a new brand and he has the potential of doing something different. Although I don't think you want to necessarily bury him before you throw him over to the other brand. That's kind of the only downside to that whole plot. Yeah. So anyway, 
Uh, he did last 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next match of the night was probably one of the favorites, I think, for the evening, and that was Seth Rollins versus yeah. Chris Jericho. Um, we predicted Rollins going over, and uh, that's actually the way the match went, too. Um, but the, here's the thing. like, I, I think we can both agree that we don't really care who wins when Jericho's in the wing, ring, because Jericho in the ring is awesome. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so Seth Rollins in a lot of cases when he's not, you know, injuring people. <laughs> um, yeah, no buckle bombs recently that I've seen, so that's that's good. Hmm. Um, huh. The uh, the whole point is is that we we want to build Rollins up for a potential confrontation with Triple H down the road. Yeah, um, that doesn't happen if you squash him at pay per view matches. Not necessarily. Not not the a, a well fought match against Jericho would be a squash because I think you could probably. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last week about, you know, getting over even if you lose. Yeah. It's possible to do. Um, and I think if you were going to do that, um, Jericho would be the right guy to have it go against because Jericho really is one of the one of the big talents these days. Like if it, he's the guy that can make that work. Like that's one of the things that I like about Jericho when I watch him wrestle. The thing about Jericho is that he's done a lot in the business so far. And so it seems to me like one of his roles in the WWE today is to make other guys look good. Yeah. And he, and he really does a phenomenal job of it. And that was sort of his role through this whole pay-per-view um, make Rollins look good in their match again, uh, uh, make Owens look good. And, you know, their, their interactions this evening, um, but anyway, it he, worked. It worked he, out pretty well. He challenged Roman Reigns a couple times for the U.S. title, and I really wanted him to win it because that the U.S. belt is the only title that Jericho really hasn't held ever. Yeah, even be, even in WCW, like which is where the U.S. belt came from. Yeah, um, he didn't hold it then, and he hasn't held it since it came over uh, to the WWE either. So that I I, I gotta believe it's gonna happen before he's done, right? I kind of think unless unless he gets cut short for some reason, I kind of think they kind of need to do that. Yeah. And, and I don't see why they wouldn't like Jericho still gets a big enough pop from the crowd and, and fans. And um, he's so goddamn good. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's, you he, know, he's Jericho. Yeah. Y2J, baby. Yeah. Um, next match of the night was a cruiserweight title match. We had a triple threat. TJ Perkins, Brian Kendrick and Rich Swan uh, for the cruiserweight belt. And we pushed for Kendrick and we're wrong. This match ended very abruptly. This this almost was like a little bit of a palate cleanser here because one of the next match on the card, uh, Charlotte versus Sasha Banks in an Iron Woman, uh, thirty minute match was kind of one of the main eventers and and you know quite frankly this is a little bit how they've been using the cruiserweight titles like the cruiserweight belt and the cruiserweight division right now seems to me almost to be like a sort of like we'll throw you in the show somewhere you know like in between matches we care about sort of thing here's where i've not been faithful as a wrestling fan like number one i haven't watched raw or smackdown in almost two weeks number two i've not seen a single episode of 205 live which is the cruiserweight dedicated show that is on on tuesday nights yeah uh i think if i watched that show i might have had a little bit more basis for an opinion on who was going to win the title. Yeah. But I also think that maybe they aren't, they're not as interested in dropping titles at pay-per-views because they're really pimping the shit out of that show. So I think if there's going to be a title change, it might, it, it might take it place happen on, the on their show. own, their, their own turf, so to speak. See, that's my, that's, I don't agree though, that they should be segregated from the rest of the, the roster. I honestly, I, I feel like the cruiserweights. Okay. It's cool that you want to change the ropes for the few, few months after their division again. Yeah. But I think they need to be act like more. I want to say acclimated, but 
maybe it's not the right word, but uh, blended in with the rest integrated, of the show. Maybe. Integrated. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's what I'm looking for. So yeah, um, that kind of thing's frustrating. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, to me, this this match felt unimportant, and and ultimately it kind of was like it was just another retention. There wasn't anything particularly show stopping about this match to me, and it was over rather quickly. So, let's talk about a match that wasn't over. Do you quickly. think Rich Swan's making more money when no he has the belt? I have no fucking clue, dude. Uh, I know nothing about the the cruise. First off, I'm I'm barely you know dipping my toe back into the water of wrestling in general. Um, but I have no clue what's going on with cruiserweight right now. So well, I mean that's that's the whole thing is is about making money. And there's belts that make money, and there's belts that don't make money. I remember um, X Pac talking one time about when he was the cruiserweight champ or the light heavyweight champ. Didn't remember making more money with that belt than when he didn't have See, it. Same thing with okay, was a tag yeah, champ. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, no, not really. Like I think right now, um, maybe it could be like if the cruiserweight division got to be bigger and you know two hundred five live got to be a real you know big thing for the wwe but right now i i sincerely doubt it yeah because you get your guarantee with vince but then you i think you also get a take from the gate things like that so um and what i mean uh, by getting a take from the gate is uh ticket sales for yeah. events live events yeah. and whatnot like you get a, you get a taste of that when you are the guy that's putting asses in seats john cena john cena's made a lot of money off gates uh stone cold used to make a ton of money Oh yeah. So, and yeah. a lot of those guys get money. Um, they get licensing, uh, money. So they get merchandise money and things like that. So when they're selling the most merch things, things and let's let's face it, when you, when you're a guy who's normally um t- contending for a title, especially the main titles, again, it's a little bit hard for me as a, as a relatively newcomer to the new the new age of the WWE. Um, but especially in the old days when there was really only a couple of belts, um the the belts were, were really specifically what put asses in seats so i would imagine that the the guys contending frequently for the belts and especially the guys who carried the belts would be the guys that that would get that kind of thing so with the cruiserweight though i'm not really sure because i'm not sure the cruiserweight it any any cruiserweight on his own right now is putting any asses in seats i'll tell you something interesting about the wwe and and their contracts too is this um you typically don't own your name yeah, I didn't know that. Them. That's why we always talk about Dwayne Johnson, not The Rock. The the WWE owns the name um, in a lot of cases. That's not true with the Cruiserweight division. Really? No, because they put it together as a tournament, and a lot of those guys were not actually under legit contract with the WWE at the time. They, they got brought in using their gimmicks that they ran on the indie scene and everything like that. So then when they actually were done participating in the tournament... They already had exposure on WWE television. When they brought them in, they kind of didn't have any choice because you can't have them. Like it's like Jack Gallagher. I don't think you've seen him mm-hmm. yet, but like he's very unique. Got a look. He's got the, the the mustache with the wax on the end of it. You know. Oh no, I have seen him. Yeah. Nope, he's one of the villains. That's that's what you're thinking of. This is a different guy. Okay. He's got rainbow trunks. And, and he's, he's a cruiserweight. He's a cruiserweight. Um. You can't have him participate in like two, three matches in the tournament and then bring him on WWE TV like a month later under a different name because it's it's not going to work. It doesn't make sense, yeah. Right. So I don't know what they did to negotiate it. Maybe they had to sign over the rights to their names or what they did, but um, I'll, X-Pac dealt with that quite a bit. He's he's dealt with, with name gimmicks, things like that. He doesn't technically own X-Pac. That's, that's a WWE thing, but like... 
six, which is the name he wrestled under um, in WCW. Uh, he owns that. So sometimes he uses a variation. He'll he'll do six Pac if he's out on the independence or yeah whatever. Although WWE does let him use X Pac basically whenever he wants to. The only time they would they might put their foot down is if he's wrestling for a promoter that they have bad blood with, and they'll be like, no, you can't use that that yeah. name, you know, in this in these circumstances. So the cruiserweights are being treated with a little bit more dignity maybe when it comes to their their ring identities <laughs> things like that kevin owens wasn't kevin owens when he was wrestling on the indies he um ring of honor he was ring of honor champ he was kevin steen actually and then they brought him over and he was not allowed to be kevin steen because wwe does not own that name yeah so that that is, actually doesn't surprise me too much and i think the thing with the cruiserweight titles and and them getting to keep their names might be a little bit of the wwe saying your names aren't valuable enough we don't care you know like uh I don't know. Like, I, I'm not sure they are putting a little bit of a push behind, behind cruiserweights a little bit more than I, I was expecting. Um, so maybe that's not true, but I kind of have felt like so far that, uh, the cruiserweights are sort of an afterthought and that if anything, the reason that they wouldn't really push hard for the names and stuff like that is because they don't really seeing there being a humongous cruiserweight following anytime soon. My suspicion is that's more of a triple H versus Vince McMahon thing. I think Vince McMahon wants to own everything he can possibly own. Whereas triple H, is kind of more a fan well, I mean, of fundamental pro wrestling, not sports entertainment as much. And I think to Triple H, it doesn't matter if he owns the names. It matters if the guys that have their name on the marquee are selling tickets, whether they own the name or not. I, I think you're probably right, too. And I think he probably sees this from a performer standpoint, which yeah. is that, you know, if you're the rock, it, it kind of sucks that you can't go out and use the rock um you have to you know dude who's gonna tell the rock he can't do that though well i mean he doesn't is the thing like generally speaking but i think that's i think that was his choice more than anything he may you know you might be right because he he definitely tried to differentiate himself and do something different but because he um, was for the longest time he was billed as dwayne the rock johnson for a a long ass time before he just dropped it and was dwayne johnson yeah but like uh steve austin most of the time i I doesn't use Steve austin is his name though yeah, well, I'm saying though, like he he usually doesn't use the Stone Cold moniker. No, and he changed his name legally to Steve Austin though. It's I mean he was born Steve Williams, so hmm. now he's now he's Steve Austin legally. Well, that's so cool. There's 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 instances. Um, Ryback, mm-hmm. Ryback when he left, there was a dispute going on between the with the Ryback name and and whatnot. He actually went just a couple months ago, month and a half, two months ago, had his name legally changed to Ryback. Hmm. Um, which gets around that whole ownership name. Because if his name is legally Ryback, then you can't tell him he can't use his own name. I wonder how far that could go. Like if, uh, if uh, you know, like if if The Rock wanted, if, you know, Dwayne Johnson wanted to go change his name to The Rock, you know. I don't think he'll ever have to, though. No, you know, I mean, you know cause he, like at the end of the day, Vince isn't going to be like, no, you can't use that name because that automatically leads people back to the WWE. Yeah, basically. Like, th- that's sort of the, the iffy question is, you know, why they want so much control anyway, because generally speaking, it's not going to be... Uh, I guess they... Well, they, the there Rock's are not few... competing for other promotions, though, either. Like, Ryback, when he left, obviously he has the intention of going out and still being a professional wrestler. And actually, now he has aspirations of being an MMA fighter, so who knows? But, like, <laughs> he would be out, out there using the Ryback name for the competition, whereas The Rock is going to use the rock but it's only going to be when he's out promoting uh 
a new movie Movies or, or something yeah. doing a guest appearance on a talk show or, or whatever. So, and I'm pretty sure the talk show people still refer to him as the rock quite a bit. I don't think you can stop it. Like it's, it's, it is such a, just a, you know, piece of his, uh, persona at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next match on the night. Uh, this is actually kind of a big match. Charlotte versus Sasha in a 30 minute iron woman, uh, match. Um, this is a, uh, most pinfalls in 30 minutes wins. Or, or tap out submissions. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, kind of an interesting match. We we called this one wrong, too. We we thought it was going to be Sasha to retain. Uh, I really still feel like it should have been. I, I think so, too. And, and the tweet I had was um, deliberately a little bit snarky, which said, you know, never bet against a flare at a pay-per-view. Uh, and I think that's sort of the thing. Like, betting against Charlotte at a pay-per-view is probably the wrong way to go most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um- I think Sasha's earned it though, and she legitimately has not won at a pay per view when it's for, been for the title. She's she's lost the title a few, but she always wins on Raw a couple weeks later, and it just it's it's a little it doesn't obnoxious. send the right message. Yeah, about the importance of the women's title, it doesn't send the right message about your your top performer. Yeah, really. I mean, I and I can't put Sasha necessarily over Charlotte. But how long can this feud really be viable for? I don't know, man. I think as long as we've been watching these or doing these these uh, podcasts, it's been pretty much Sasha and Charlotte. And uh, you see, you know, that's like another thing that it just I'm kind of over that, you know, like I want it to be something else. But, you know, the other hand of this is that, uh, you know, I was being deliberately snarky. Don't bet against Charlotte at pay-per-view because they just she she wins pay-per-views like you you almost don't even have to really think too hard about that and really if anything we probably should have went with uh charlotte there but for some reason i thought that you know charlotte would um lose this match and sasha retain just for what you're saying because we, we, we want sasha to have a little bit more juice behind her um of course we voted wrong though so uh it is what it is. Yeah. This match was a cool match, though. Um, it was one the, fun. One of the things I said about 15 minutes in was uh, they're really doing a, a great job with the pacing on this match. Like, um, in uh, a men's match, I kind of would have expected there would be a lot more slowdowns, like a lot more submission sort of style moves at this time, because that, that's a little bit of a physically easier move to perform than some of the, you know, pace, uh, than the pace the, the women went at tonight. Of course, right after I said that, that's about when the match started to slow down a little bit and we got a little bit more, um, you know, like bang statement, I think was the first uh, um, uh, pin, not pin, but submit tonight was with a bank statement. Um, and there were some other moves like that that were pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I, I like what they're doing with the women's division. Like the one thing I can't say about either of those girls is that they can't wrestle. Like both of the girls uh, here wrestle really damn well. Um, and and uh, both of the girls sold really well. Like I really liked how they handled... Um, the submissions and the pins in this match. Um, the only thing there was one pin that felt a little bit cheap to me. And I think that was one that Sasha got on, on Charlotte because Charlotte was pretty fresh. It wasn't after a big spot or anything like that. It was just kind of like the announcers like, Oh, well, Charlotte got a little lazy there. And, and anything I think really actually it was just bad calling in the, of the match. So, yeah. Yeah. You actually just saw a little bit more of that actually visually than I did. Cause I was in the middle of, Making, making me a delicious dinner. Making some some amazing uh, venison and elk chili. 
Yeah, it turned out really well, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I got to watch more of this match. And, uh, you know, like I said, they did, they did it. Uh, the match was good. The match was solid. There were a little bit of weird pacing issues or odd calls that I didn't really like in the match. The the, the Charlotte pin or the, the Charlotte fall, which was basically like, um, you know, not 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 with a head of steam or anything like that. It was kind of just like a rollover counter pin, which, uh, you know, I don't really buy with Charlotte. Um, and then of course the win, we went into an overtime, uh, match here. And I think what it ended up being was, uh, towards the last, you know, five or six minutes of the match, Charlotte really started working on the knee of Sasha Banks. She had her in the, in the figure four. Yeah. Uh, toward the end of the match. And she literally like Sasha tapped out at like one second. Yeah. So yeah, that was actually really well-timed yeah on everybody's part so i actually did think they did they, they did a pretty good job with that um i would and have preferred then, if she just hadn't and won the match but you know, yeah again that's me i think that would have been a good way to get over the fans too because uh charlotte is much more imposing like to most of the women um charlotte's definitely their, their physically most imposing woman uh without a, without a doubt tall yeah she's tall and she's got man hips she's an amazon She's kind of not, like, from the waist down, isn't built like a, a chick. I mean, and I don't mean that in a necessarily negative way. Like, I'm not saying she's got a wang or anything like that. But, like, <laughs> she's got real narrow hips. She doesn't have, like, the typical, like, um, wider hips that, that a lot of women have. Well, and it, was like, it was like how China used to wrestle men. Like, she used yeah. to wrestle the men. Uh, this, this is kind of along those lines. Like, uh, Sasha Banks, you know, f- would feel more at home to me wrestling, like, cruiserweight or something like that than, than necessarily the women's division. So, um, anyway, it, I think it ended up ending with uh, a sudden death overtime. And uh, after working that knee for a bit, um, Charlotte got the figure four again. And uh, did she bridge it into the figure eight? Yeah, I think so. And, and and uh Sasha tapped. So, uh titles changed hands and we got Charlotte carrying the belt again, which you know, like I said that's another thing I'm not so sure about. Charlotte's carried the belt most of the time I've I've been watching so far. So, so that's two title changes tonight. Yeah. And keep the score. Our last match of the evening, we have Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens for the Universal title. Yep. So, apparently they don't defend the US title anymore. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. Uh, I guess he defended against Jericho a few weeks ago on Raw and whatnot, but um, you know, nothing says your belt's important like not defending it at a pay per view. Yeah, so we got this one, <laughs> um, kind of. Uh, we thought we thought Jericho was going to interfere. There's been a little bit of a uh, you know, um, drama between Owens and Jericho. Um, Owens interfered a little bit with Jericho's match earlier in the evening, and that didn't work out very well. That that was what helped um, uh, fuck Rollins win. And yeah. I was kind of calling for Reigns to take both belts. Number one, because the company's got huge heart on for Roman Reigns. Um, and even though the fans aren't really into Reigns too much, I thought they might have him carry two belts. And it would also be a, a pretty perfect setup between um, a rivalry between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Uh, if uh, uh, Jericho helped um, Reigns Reigns win, and... double champions aren't something that happens a lot either. So if you really want your boy to stand out, like that's yeah, kinda seems like the way Have, you having him carry two belts is definitely one way to do it. Kurt Angle at one point was the Euro Continental Champion. Wow, nice. so he had the European and the Intercontinental belt. So 
then there was the uh, two-man power trip, Stone Cold and Triple H, when they had uh, the tag titles as well as, uh, I think, the heavyweight and Intercontinental belts, respectively. And that was actually a weird time for me because Triple H was the heavyweight champ and Steve Austin had the Intercontinental, the Intercontinental belt. belt. Yeah, that's weird. Um, So that was, yeah. And that was that was obviously well yeah after stone cold they you know his heyday and whatnot so it seemed that, that gives you an idea of the class of wrestler that they usually let carry two belts but anyway i i mistakenly predicted that um they were going to do that with reigns and let him have both belts um because that you know hopefully that would help give him a little bit more of a pop with the fans but um you know we were talking about this during the the match and we were kind of saying like Reigns just isn't going to get over with the fans at this point. Like he needs something else, and and we we both said he he needs a heel turn. Like if you want him to get over uh, with the fans, he needs a good heel turn. He needs to go, you know, probably a year plus as a heel. Maybe do some different things as far as like his overall shtick and 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 costuming certainly, and, and then maybe have him go face uh, after that. And we thought that would make sense because much like the Rock, um, the Rock who is hated by fans. And then die, went, Rocky die. Yeah. Then went heel and uh, started getting over with the fans quite a bit more and eventually went face again. Even, even still though, most of the time, as much as we loved watching the rock, he was heel. Um, so reigns, I think would be a kind of a perfect candidate for that too. That also give him a little bit more of a time to work on like his in-ring skills, which aren't horrible. Um, I think that was a complaint about reigns, but now watching him, he's not a bad wrestler anymore. Um, but he's also not a great wrestler, which I think would be another thing that if you really want him to be the guy, uh, uh, he needs to be a little bit better in ring. Anyway, uh, what ended up happening here is Jericho did interfere with the match and he did that by just knocking, uh, uh, Chris Owens right across the face. So at first I thought, oh, we're setting up a major feud, but actually what that ended with was a DQ. Uh, so, um, you know, Owens retains the belt and then they bro hug it out at the end because Jericho actually was helping him win. Here's the thing. There's a lot of shit that happened after this pay-per-view kind of went quote unquote off the air. Like there was, I believe Reigns and Rollins, I think threw somebody through, uh, some shit off the stage, not off the, through a table, but yeah. like off the stage. I don't think Jericho I think the the Jericho still being best friends with Kevin Owens, um, I think is a work. I think Jericho has now set his sights on the Universal Championship, mm-hmm. um, and I'd I'd love to see that match, honestly. Yeah. So that's I don't necessarily hate the way this match ended. Uh I just man, I I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I said, this whole night, nothing about this whole night really stood out to me in particular. Um, maybe that's because, you know, our last big thing was uh, um, the Goldberg-Lesnar match, which to me was a big deal. Um, well, it's one of the big four pay-per-views to Survivor Series. So here's here's the thing. The next time we sit down and, and do a pay-per-view um, breakdown on the show, it's going to be for the Royal Rumble, and that doesn't take place until late January. So we got a little while. I think that's recharge your batteries. Yeah, build some good stories, and you know, Royal Rumble is one of the big four. So, yeah. uh, we we could see some cool shit there. Yeah. Meantime, if you want to hear us talk about wrestling, we will um, be breaking down some classic matches. I believe we talked last week um, about the next one. We we talk about should be probably the uh, 
Survivor Series screw job. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Dude, yes. So look forward to that one. Probably not next week because guess what? It's Christmas. Yeah. Um, so. All right. So let's move into our regular nerdy shit. Let's talk some uh, DC news. Uh, ben Affleck says the Batman should shoot this spring. That's basically it. Like, there's not mm-hmm. really a ton to this article. It's just him talking about how they're on schedule. The script is coming along nicely, he says. Um, still not finalized, though, which is... Interesting. I don't like, think I find it troubling. Shoot. I think I find it more Ben Affleck being really picky about what he's going to accept as a script, and I'm, I'm was, okay with that. I was just going to say, there's a lot of writers that are sort of like that. Like, uh, my, my favorite writer in particular is sort of notoriously bad about this, which is uh, that he is a... He is a... Um, he what do they call it there, there's like two types of writers there's the architect and there's the gardener so the gardener basically writes the story and then prunes and cuts and makes changes and stuff like that and i think that's probably where we're falling with affleck like there's probably a good chance that affleck and and uh, jeff johns are you know writing that thing out and then just making changes and cuts and trying to make it the best script they can possibly make it so uh, you know i'm pretty much on board i i, I don't think at this point um yeah, I just don't you, question it. You've got, they're they're going to be fine. You've got in Ben Affleck a, a dude who wants to make a, a good movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah, He wants nothing more how. than to come out and just be like, hey, I am the goddamn Batman. And then you've got in Jeff John somebody who really can pare that down and be like, so here's the deal. Like This line says this, but this line says that. Um, you know, which is really... Which, which one of those lines is really what Batman would do yeah, and let's 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 focus on that, and and I think Ben's going to be receptive to that too. So, um, I really just legitimately think that um, that you know Ben Affleck knows what he's doing. Like he knows how to direct, he knows how to write. We've we've got no doubt about this. We know he cares a lot about this character. Um, Watch anything that Ben Affleck has written and directed, and tell me that it's not somehow Oscar worthy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to make a movie. So like ultimately i'll give him the benefit of the doubt like at this point especially because you know batman was my favorite part of batman versus superman by a by a wide margin so um or his portrayal of batman rather not necessarily every single aspect of that but i think that largely came from the fact that he didn't have enough of a creative role and i think that solving some of that is gonna you know solve that problem yeah in the marvel world hugh jackman is reportedly taking a pay cut to make sure that an r rating can happen for logan and we got to say good on you, mate. So this has got to be uh, studio versus actor, right? Like not in this. Well, and I don't mean like in a in a in a combative sort of way. I just mean like the studio doesn't want the R rating because they don't think they'll sell as many tickets. So he's willing to take a pay cut to ensure that they don't care is essentially what I'm getting. The only thing that pisses me off about this is that we have some evidence that that's not true. And so I think that this is kind of the studio you, having you their mean cake Deadpool? and eat. Yeah. I, I think this is a little bit the studio having their cake and eating it too. Like they they get to make the R rating. It's going to do a jillion dollars, and Dude, uh, they also don't have to pay that uh, Logan trailer as much. Yeah. That Logan trailer alone will sell tickets. Dude, for sure. You, you know what else is going to sell tickets? Just knowing this is Hugh Jackman's final ro- uh, uh, time wearing the claws. Like without a doubt, I think that's going to be a big draw for this movie. Um, Can a Wolverine and- have a swan song? You know, I don't know. I mean, he, I mean, he's not immortal, but practically so. Um, 
so anyway, I think I think this is probably the studio a little bit having their cake and eating it too, and I'm a little bummed because if any movie um, that uh, Hugh Jackman shouldn't take a pay cut for, it should be this one. Like, can you imagine what Robert Downey Jr. is going to get paid for his last portrayal as Iron Man? It'll be obscene. He'll make more money in like ten minutes on set than I'll probably make the in my life. The guy lifetime. already makes more money than everybody else in any movie he's in combined. So yeah, basically, um, and I think Hugh Jackman has not quite that level of draw but he does definitely have that level of draw when we're talking about the fox in the x-men universe we are talking about a dude that broke Dolph Ziggler's jaw yeah <laughs> legit yep um this one is sort of a quasi follow-up piece for the whatever show because we talked about this a little while ago uh this next piece of news that's uh tilda swinton's exchange with margaret Cho about uh um email exchange rather um this is just tilda swinton basically saying no this is really what happened um talking about her casting as the ancient one uh so when we talked about this on the show one of the things that we talked about is basically there being a sizable uh portion of people who are pissed off that uh tilda got cast rather than an asian uh person because as we all know um the ancient one was in the comic books basically a small tibetan monk um so there were a lot of people pissed off that Tilda got cast and, you know, they quote unquote whitewashed the role and uh, uh, spoke out about it. And Margaret Cho recently, uh, um, you know, kind I of, think that term is kind of racist against the Icelandic people. Yeah. They, mean, they don't get enough representation. Yeah. Whitewashing. Come on, guys. Yeah, like, it's not fair. There's no sun there. So what? Yeah. They're white from lack of sun. Not anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think the Icelandic people have have enough trouble given that their second well i guess tilda swinton's their second most famous personality <laughs> their most famous being bjork of course and well yeah well when you're when your lead lead personality is bjork sorry yeah um so here's the thing uh margaret cho kind of put tilda on blast this last week um see i'm using the popular parlance of the day on um, blast yeah well, no. like 2005. No, the popular, the like, yeah, the, the parlance of, of the day is traffic snarls. Traffic snarls? Yeah, anytime there's snow now, there's traffic snarls. That's so much I don't even get it. That, that's, that's, Dude, that's so watch, new. I watch the news like, about it. for five minutes and they'll use the term snarls and traffic. Weird. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking Weird. bad. Um, I tried to watch like daytime talk shows the other day and it couldn't because it was like Snowmageddon 2016. Nice. So, um... Anyway, Margaret Cho was basically saying, like, you know, Tilda sort of treated me as, like, her pet house Asian or something like that. And when you read this email exchange, which is where that this comment from Cho is coming from, to me it came off entirely reasonable. I mean, Tilda was very gracious, and she said essentially, like, I'm not dialed into any of this. I don't get what the controversy is. Can you please help me out with this? And I'm not sure where they got connected um, or how this came about. Maybe Margaret said something on Twitter, and, and Tilda just took it upon herself to, you know, email her and find out what was going on. But uh, Margaret was kind of like, you know, here's the thing. You got cast in an Asian role. And Tilda took a pretty reasonable approach. She's like, well, yeah, but did you see the rest of the movie? Because we also cast a black guy in this role. And we didn't. Uh, we also did give it to a woman. We gave this role typically. Um, and this is a very, very typical thing. The sort of wise old man character. Like they made that a woman in this movie. And, you know, lots of other things about the thing. And uh, in the end, it was like, nope, that was entirely reasonable. I don't get what anybody's talking about here. Again, they not only gave it to a woman, but she's an Icelandic bald woman. Yes, very different. They are a minority, I'm sure. I mean, how many do you know? That's a good point. There's like a thousand Margaret Cho's. 
now now we might be slipping into racism (laughs) no i just mean i just mean unfunny female comedians okay that's fair I mean, see now that's sexist. We're moving in a whole different dichotomy. No, okay, I that, mean just no, unfunny comedians. You're, look, look, you're fair. Look there, at, there, there are funny women comedians for sure. There um, are. But look there's, at Whitney there's Cummings. A, she, that that chick is hilarious. Yeah, it just seems like for every funny woman comedian, there's like ten that basically just make period vagina jokes. Yeah, so I guess I'm sure it's true with the guys too. Guys are probably just more represented. Yeah, for like every one Amy Schumer, there's maybe. I don't know. See, when I think of 50 women, Chelsea Handlers. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they can't all fuck the uh, president of E. Sorry, Ralph Garman, we're with you, buddy. Most people probably can fuck that guy, though. That's the thing. Really, you have his number? Because I want to be famous. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, the thing is, th- this look, came across. Look as- forward to our. On air show coming up on E and yeah, you know, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the thing here with this article was like, um, these emails seemed entirely reasonable to me. So it was a little disappointing. The other thing I think that, uh, somebody mentioned this, which is like, um, you know, like I, I can't remember how it was exactly put, but on the comments for one of these things that I read was sort of along the lines of like, well, if you're somebody like Margaret Cho or another minority who keeps getting asked by white people, you're like, you know what it is that, that the big deal is, uh, you know, you'd be pissed off too. And I, and I thought about that and I was like, no, not really. Like, let's just take whatever tiny little thing it is that I'm a fan of like D and D or something like that. If I had more people asking me what was cool about D and D, I wouldn't get offended by that. I'd be like, super People actually want to understand this thing I really enjoy, or, you know, in this case, am. Um, I can absolutely teach you how to be, you know, make this a more inclusive process. Instead, so, you're more likely to get kicked in the balls for yeah. enjoying D&D. Yeah, so, like, this thing here is, like, I don't get this mentality. Probably because I'm, a, you know, the the epitome of opposite of minority. Like, you know, straight white male in, in the right age demographic, even. Like... I don't get that. And, and I guess that's fine. But when I thought about that comment, it, it really kind of upset me because it's like, no, th- this comes across very much as like Tilda trying to be a decent human being and trying to understand what the hubbub is about. And Margaret still kind of being like, well, but yeah, why do I have to explain anything to you? And it's like, well, because that's sort of the decent thing to do. I mean, I realize it's frustrating because you get my, you know, marginalized in lots of other ways. But on the other hand, if you want to stop being marginalized, one of the re- ways you can do that is by making you know helping you know in small ways when people are trying to do the right thing yeah yeah it, to me it seems a lot like the whole uh i'm upset because white people stole my land and moved me onto a reservation thing and i don't mean like that the native american people shouldn't be upset about that whole thing but they shouldn't be upset with me yeah well it's I- like margaret show being upset with tilda swinton like Tilda Swinton isn't the reason there's racial inequality in anything. I don't know. It's just upsetting because, like, I don't get why we're we're sort of eating our own tail on this a lot of the time. So, so you like you have this decent person trying to do a decent thing, trying to be a better person, trying to be more inclusive for you know everybody, and they you know don't use the right pronouns or something like that. So of course you know we have to eat that person alive. Uh, and that's what I don't get. Like you, why are we spending the time and energy on these types of things for people who are trying to really legitimately do the right thing? And instead, um, why aren't we tackling the actual injustice in the world? Like I, and first off, dude, I, you I used a grammatical term. 
Yeah. You've just lost like half our audience. I apologize. Millennials. They don't know the difference between a possessive pronoun and a contraction. <laughs> uh, we're sorry, millennials, all of you that are listening. I'm sure it's a lot. Anyway, uh, the, the, I don't know. I guess that's the thing. Um, I'd rather see, you know, let's let, like, let's just all fight the injustice together, which, you know, it's, it's hard to do if, if especially, you know, me being a, a straight white, white male cannot uh, understand through experience these sorts of issues. Um, so like, if I ask, you know, like, please teach me about these sorts of issues, it's fine to say, no, nah, I can't really do that right now. Go talk to somebody else. But on the other hand, being like, you're a dick for asking, uh, is also kind of a dick move. Um, yes last up into our miscellaneous category we have lots more news actually rita's origin that is rita repulsa of the power rangers um universe it, it origin may possibly re- be revealed if you don't want spoilers um about the new power rangers movie i guess you should stop listening for a little bit and come back later if you don't care though uh, i read the article and it's funny because i also had the same theory which is that rita's the green ranger yep not just like she killed a Green Ranger, but like she was like, say, even the original Green Ranger. Um, and, you know, like the, the thing on her staff looks curiously like a morpher. Just saying. Yep. It is definitely a power coin. Um, the video that accompanies the article that is posted to by Jessica Chobot, you can tell she's not the biggest Power Rangers fan because she's just kind of grinning and burying yeah, it through the like, entire interview. Power Rangers. Everybody's but, kind of doing that. and. I guess that might turn around if they. I think that's unfair. I think I think we need to give this movie a chance because I'm totally going to. Yeah. Um, Goldar is is another big thing for this movie, and this is again spoilers. So if you don't want to know much about the plot or anything like that, then you know, skip this portion. But like, uh, Goldar is not some giant dog looking thing that. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't keep that. Yeah. No. There. Goldar. No, I'm not, I'm Goldar is actually a disease. <laughs> bioweapon <laughs> he's a bioweapon that she's trying to assemble like she's nice. trying to, to resurrect and assemble zed is going to have some involvement in this as well yeah and apparently um zordon was also at one point a ranger yeah it seems the red ranger that that's the case um as that, well that so. was i think still rumored in the article but uh, i think that's probably true yeah so i'm i'm kind of looking forward to see where they're going with this it looks like they're trying to actually flesh out the power rangers mythos a little bit and, and give it some substance you know, I, I kind of get the feeling like you said, like Jessica Chobot sort of grinning and giggling through this whole thing. Like I that that reminds me of like when I was in school, everybody was like that. Like everybody was like, nobody watches Power Rangers. It's just one of the most popular TVs on shows uh, or popular shows on TV, even though everybody watched Power Rangers. Yeah. And, and when it came down to it, everybody was sort of sheepishly like you'd have a, you know, a they're thing like, no, I like, totally fuck Kimberly. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, you know, you'd be like, oh, no, the Green Ranger's great. And they'd be like, well, actually, you know, and it turns out everybody actually watched the show and everybody's just sort of grinning and bearing it. So yeah. whether or not that plays out in the box office in this movie actually does any sort of, you know, good. Who knows? But I think it's safe to say we don't see Ivan Ooze. Not anytime in the foreseeable future. So the next item on our docket, Matt wants to talk about a PlayStation 1 game. <laughs> <laughs> it's cooler than that. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, okay. So. Uh, there, there's a series of PlayStation One games called Lunar, um, and I want to say series. I mean, there's two. Yes, um, but they both came in these giant boxes, and this thing's going for like a hundred and some odd dollars on eBay right now. Do you know that? It's a PlayStation One game. That's crazy. Yeah. So, all right. So here's the game, and we'll maybe we'll take some pictures and throw them up or whatever. But um, it's just a typical PlayStation box game. Yeah. 
um, three discs for the game, and there's like a, a a different disc in there that's like a making of Lunar game and whatnot. We also have the Lunar Two soundtrack, I believe, is what this is. Yes. Yeah, this is actually really cool. Like, um, one of the things we'll probably lament as we go by is the um, or as time goes on is how little sort of um i guess accoutrement you get with games these days like most games are digital downloads and you get almost nothing with it except for digital crap this game has a really cool physical presence this is the the user manual the user manual here um we'll have uh, pictures of this in the show notes is this is hardbound like this hardbound you know book it, it it is really well done well produced um and it's making me a little jealous to be quite honest of you know this isn't a thing that we have anymore yeah yeah it's pretty crazy this is hardbound and then the last piece that we have is actually this little box and you open it up and you have a map of the of the world that you are, are playing in yeah the map looks really cool too this is really harkens back to like zelda stuff yep to me anyway this whole box set that it comes with too we've got these like i think they're coins is that right uh no no yeah see not correct at all i can't put that in there yeah it's hard just go slow don't push more than uh you know a little these these are actually pop-up um little characters you can put on the map as you're playing so you can kind of map your your progress with with stuff yeah um, and then this last piece is is the pendant, which I believe is the kind of main source of this is sort of like the stuff meat and potatoes of this box set, if you ask me. And so, which is which is pretty not clear in the picture on the podcast is that this pendant actually has some heft to it. It's very heavy. Yeah, it's not light at all. Like, like you could knock somebody the fuck out with it. Yeah, like it's not to. like a shitty plastic like you got in a Burger King Happy Meal or something. No. Yeah, it's definitely not not a not a Happy Meal toy. Yeah. Even, um, even the big kids meal no no so um this is cool because i've actually not played all the way through this game and i don't have the physical media for the um the first one anymore yeah but i'm I'm gonna play through both of them um i, I started with final fantasy stuff and the more i get playing final fantasy like it's final fantasy is one of those weird things where like i really enjoy the game yeah but then i'm just like man do i really want to do this for another 15 to 20 <laughs> hours before i'm done and yeah see i just yes get there some way point. quicker the answer is yes at some point i do want to do it again but like these games i've i've actually not finished uh-huh and so i'm kind of curious to see uh what a playthrough of the lunar games would be so we have lunar silver star complete and then um lunar eternal blue complete um so i'm gonna i'm gonna check those out i think um i'm also my final fantasy stuff i think instead of covering it for the show and and kind of updating people on progress on that i think i might skip most of those i think i might do final fantasy six yeah for the show which was the um the american version for super nintendo was final fantasy three cool um because that's actually honestly has one of the coolest final fantasy stories that i've that i've seen uh, it also in it either introduces or at least makes the best use of um, the active time battle system. Okay, um, cool. so it's a little bit more up Eddie's alley since it's not entirely just turn based. I mean, yeah. it's, it's still turn based combat, but it there's 
uh, some urgency involved with it instead of just, oh, I can just sit here on the screen all day and nothing will happen. Yeah. Um, and then I want to skip to seven and eight and then maybe nine. I don't know about nine. Nine, nine was kind of one of the, I don't think I ever finished nine. Seven and eight I definitely did, but I'm going to kind of go through with my Brady Games strategy guide for seven so I, I get all the materia. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I want to I want to do that. So um, anyway, look forward to, to hearing some updates on that periodically. We may not do it every show because, come on, it's we're playing games that are 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, or older. Plus, quite a lot of those games aren't... aren't you know, like you spend, you know, 10 hours for every hour of story or something like that. So, yeah. 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 So All right. anyway, let's, let's talk a little bit about some, uh, DuckTales. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, Scrooge McDuck, you know, why not? Or as I like to call him, David Tennant. Yeah. The, I get those two confused all the time. Um, David Tennant being the only working Scottish actor has been cast as Scrooge McDuck. Uh, not really. And in fact, Tennant's going to do a great job, I'm sure, because uh, Tennant is amazing. Uh, but Tennant has been cast as Scrooge McDuck. And we have a nerd circle in here for you to check out that piece of news. Apparently, we're doing a DuckTales reboot. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, what are we rebooting here? Um, yeah. You know, like, I know, I know it's man. all nostalgia and that, like, my kids, like, I can't get my kids to get, pay any sort of attention to this at all. And I get why they want to reboot the movie. But on the other hand, I'm like, you can't reboot that. That's DuckTales. Yeah. If they don't keep the theme song, I'm just saying I'm fucking out of that theater. Like well, five in, seconds. I'm in this article that we out. posted is a video of the new cast singing the theme song. So that is positive. So you're going to want to check that out because if you don't know the theme song from heart, which I could immediately sing right now for you, if you wanted to, um, you, you can see it replayed by the new cast of the DuckTales. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting. And the last thing I put in the show notes here, which is kind of funny because I didn't actually watch it myself. I actually put this in our show notes so I'd remember to watch it, is the Sherlock Series 4 trailer. See, and I, I don't want to watch it because I, I don't want to spoil anything because I'm not caught up yet. I'm season two right now. Okay, so this is anticlimactic then because no, I didn't watch it and you're not going to watch it for quite a while. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to watch it for all the right reasons. So this, this I, if nothing else, I put in there because I'm just happy to hear that Sherlock is still getting made. Because uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman have gotten like, they're, huge. They're kind of busy lately. Yeah, they're in they're in like every third movie. At, yeah. at this point and they've got a lot of stuff going on so i'm just really really excited to see that they're still going to be making sherlock because it actually is kind of a time commitment like the these they they only do three episodes but they're three movie length episodes like mm -hmm. an hour and a half a piece episodes that they do so i'm really happy to see that they're going to be pushing for this and and still doing uh more more of the show um and I, you know, I, I can't wait to see where they go with this. I hope that this is not going to be at Swan Song, like the final farewell for I've Sherlock. I that it is, but it, yeah, it honestly wouldn't surprise me even a little bit because it probably is getting pretty difficult for them to is, is this even one maintain at all. Going to be set in Victorian times as well, or is this back in modern? The day? Victorian thing. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but it, it just I don't know. You just have to watch it. The Victorian okay. thing is um, more of a device uh, uh, than it is like an actual setting. Okay. Okay. So it's it's a heroin induced vision. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid guess, actually, for those of you familiar with Sherlock lore. So, um, yeah, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> um, 
so anyway yeah it, it's a fun episode um but i'm excited to see this coming back because i really really do enjoy this show this last season was a little weaker to me so i'm hoping that this goes out on a high note if this is gonna in fact be its swan song but this is one of those things that uh, i've been a little bit disappointed about lately because you know doctor who's the other one no new doctor who this year except for the christmas episode and we don't get new doctor who after that yeah what are they doing until like the next year or something is capaldi like sick like dude i don't i don't honestly know what maybe, the deal is maybe with the writers are just um i do know that uh there's gonna be a showrunner hand change fairly soon mm. and i think that's a big part of it um there's been rumors that capaldi may be out after this uh next series or even after you know potentially the christmas special which would be a little sad because capaldi's really good as the doctor um like i don't think you've seen him yet and it he doesn't immediately strike me as like my favorite character ever but one of the you know popular theories is that capaldi's just too old so he's not going to capture the younger demo and stuff like that and they had more success with matt smith who was um you know probably one of the youngest if not the youngest doctors they've cast so far so when in doubt bring back rose i don't know i didn't really like rose that much sorry i know dude rose was okay um but i think my favorite companion thus far is probably going to go with Amy. Yeah, but I don't want to do the things to Amy that I want to do to Billy Piper. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's a different issue entirely. Um, she is in a different show, and I don't remember what that's called, but you know, that's out there. It's a, it's a, uh, not a, not a, not a for TV show either. It's a definitely a cable late night type show that she's in. Fingers crossed. Billy Piper. No, it is. Okay. Sure. <laughs> it's like, I mean, he's clearly done his homework, so I'm going to take it. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you're not, yeah. All um, right. Anything else going on this week that, uh... you know, I think that's about all. All right. So we should probably kind of set the stage a little bit for what the show is going to be like over the next couple of weeks. Maybe they won't notice the difference because we kind of did two shows in one tonight. But yeah, um, next week is Christmas weekend, so we're obviously going to be... Um, fulfilling family obligations and and whatnot um unfortunately our wives do not see eye to eye uh with us on that we should do a show on christmas day or christmas eve even though we totally should disappointing i don't don't see what they're getting at really uh yeah i mean there's a christmas tree blocking our normal procedures i mean the least we could do is record on christmas but no yeah no, for no, real nobody, nobody, that, that'd be holly and fucking jolly yeah nobody seems to seems to think that that's a good idea so probably won't be here next week um to do a show yeah we, we'll still be keeping an eye out for things maybe adding some things into the show notes and whatnot here and there uh so when we come back, we might have lots of old shit to talk about. You never know. Yeah. If over the Christmas holiday, you're going through whatever withdrawals, that's perfectly normal. Um, and we would advise, actually, I'm going to try to do you a little bit of a solid here. We've got two episodes that are going to come out during this interim period. You can go back and listen to our Rogue One episode, uh, which came out you know, not too long ago, if I do this right. And then, of course, we're going to have this episode, which you've just finished. But we also have like 64 other fucking episodes and a whole bunch of other specials and stuff like that so if you want more whatever go back and listen to our back catalog there's tons of stuff in there um if you want to tell us um you know something else we should do or talk about when we come back from the break uh questions at whatever.co can i tell them what to do real quick i mean why not it's your show okay so let's say for the sake of argument that you've listened to all of our shows do it again no and what else you you find yourself with about two and a half to three extra hours with nothing to do because we're not recording next week 
Yeah. Grab 10 of your favorite episodes of our show and start spamming Reebok with those shows. <laughs> you can do that, actually. They're on Facebook, and you can tag people. I, I got this question on, on Facebook the other day. How do you tag somebody on Facebook? It's just like on Twitter. You just at, at Reebok, you know, whatever, Reebok just USA. I can't remember. Yeah, you just at them, and uh, they will know how much we we should get the Reebok money. We should. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you can also tell them on Twitter, and if you wanted to tell us on Twitter, you can go to at whatever show. Yep. Facebook.com slash whatever show. Yeah. And if, if in fact, Reebok, you are listening and you're like, we got to get these bitches some money, uh, sponsors that whatever he does to you. Yep. All right. We'll did see you do questions this time. Questions? I did. I started with yeah. that. Yeah. And, and then I went off on a Reebok tangent. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a fine tangent. Uh, yeah. It happens. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll be back in probably around a week or two after you hear this episode. And in the meantime, you know, catch up on some of that old shit. Tweet us. Uh, or just, you know, no it's christmas enjoy your family or something like that meantime yeah merry christmas happy hanukkah kwanzaa underrepresented holiday i'm just gonna go boxing with festivus day. festivus boxing day i think is super underrepresented so probably i don't know i'm not even sure i know what that one is happy yule yeah yule works ha- happy midwinter uh festival winter solstice there you go saturnalia yeah which i think is the actual holiday that christians adopted so yeah, that I don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. it all basically is a a whole uh, amalgamation of uh, pagan rituals. So whatever. Yeah. Um. And if you are a follower of Christ, just remember that he was probably actually born somewhere between spring and September. Bummer. It's fine. No, it's. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever deity you tend to worship, or did, did we just slip into like a whatever ruins everything episode? Have no, you, ever, have you seen that show? Adam ruins everything. Not That's necessarily. You have we're... to have that on the show sometime. Here's my point, man. I don't care if you believe in the same thing I believe in, or Eddie believes in, or anything like that. Just, just be excellent to each other, man. Yeah. Have have a happy holiday and a and a happy new year. I personally subscribe to the uh, Men in Black. We're all just little runts in a locker thing. Yeah, and if you don't listen, we'll fucking zap you with one of those things and make you forget about it yeah can't do that with the election though we could try all right let's get out of here before we ramble any longer (laughs) see you later bye